What is up, you guys? Welcome to Ratchet Dojo Radio. I am your host, Ro The Show. In this podcast, we're going to take you down, pass your guard, and then steal your girl. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Ratchet Dojo Radio. I am your host, Ro The Show. If this is your first time listening and you are wondering what this podcast is about, this podcast is all about jujitsu and everything that revolves around it. Guys, today we are doing a special episode to talk to you about last night's incredible fight card on UFC 249. But first, let me introduce to you my co-host for the evening. This man is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. He is the original K-pop star of jiu-jitsu, straight from Flushing, Queens, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you G in a gi. Hey guys. Yay! <laughs> I don't live in Flushing anymore. I did the proper move like a good Korean and went out to white stuff. Same thing. Close enough. <laughs> and the other man controlling the microphone this evening, you guys, is this man is a former San Shao Olympic champion. He is one of the skinniest bouncers you'll ever encounter at the door. You got damn right. <laughs> he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt competing with Evan the Slim Shady as the reigning, defending, longest lasting purple belt in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing... It's about to go down, Charlie Brown in Chinatown, Mad Max. Yay me! <laughs> Why didn't anyone else clap? What, what's up, you guys? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Ratchet Dojo Radio Podcast. MMA. I just want to add that uh, Max, Max kind of had that title of the world longest blue belt for a while, didn't he? Oh yeah, that's true. I did. I did. I, I, I believe I'm in the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> I'm working, working on doing that for my purple belt too. Gotcha. Fucking sandbagger. <laughs> hey guys, so for our listeners, introduce yourselves. G, why don't you go first? Yeah, I don't know really. There's, like I've been doing jujitsu for like what, eight years, I guess, not coming on nine. Started it like around my late 20s. Can't remember when exactly, but it was actually all the way in Korea under Hicks and Gracie affiliate. And as of now, I'm a seriously in debt law student, about to graduate into a miserable economy. That's about it. Fantastic! Awesome. <laughs> Great intro. <laughs> and Max, you want to introduce yourself, please? Uh, yeah, you know, so I grew up doing martial arts. My father teaches martial arts. That's kind of was my introduction to it. I started watching a lot of fights, guys like Kung Lee doing sense Chow in the beginning. And then I uh, started watching UFC, really got interested. Uh, around 16, 17, I started fighting. And I've been just been studying all the different combat arts ever since. Got my purple belt in jiu-jitsu finally. And, uh, you know, been there for a long time. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Got, got a lot of fights in. Love watching fights. Love talking about fights. Yeah, great. And that's why yeah, I have you on here today. <laughs> exactly. You forgot to mention you like to get into street fights as well. Oh, not. Not not that I like to get into street fights. I think I can have one of those pieces that, you know, everyone thinks that they can beat up and thinks that should be beaten up. People like to try to kick my ass. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. All I, different I think it's also a part of it. It's, 
like you're Asian and you're a bouncer. So when a drunk white boy like starts getting angry and drunk, you know he's what? like, oh shit, I can win. But actually, I don't really get, I have really haven't gotten a lot of scraps as a bouncer. I've gotten a lot of disrespect as a bouncer, but not scraps. Uh, oh, okay. But like just walking around the street, people just like to mess with me. Like, you know, I just, I just, like I said, I think I just got that face that people think they should just, you know, bump in me or curse me out for no reason or just try to puff up at me for whatever reason. I don't know. Got it. So for those of you that don't know Max, and if you've never seen Max, he really is the skinniest bouncer at the door. (laughs) Yeah, I am like like 155 pounds. (laughs) Wait, are you really? Yeah. Like, you know, know, when I get a little heavier, like, like once, one sixty. All right. Okay. Anyway, that's pretty much it. Okay, guys. So let's j- jump right into UFC two forty nine that occurred yesterday in Jacksonville, Florida. What a momentous event! Okay, first of all, it's the first sports event that's occurred ever since this COVID nineteen hit everything, the world. Woo, MAGA. And what are your thoughts on that, you guys? I think it was a great experiment. I think this is a a great way to learn how we can function under a pad during a pandemic and uh how we can kind of get things going slowly possibly yeah yeah i agree because um you know it's like it's kind of really dangerous situation right now but any of these sporting event uh organizations kind of need to explore exactly how they're going to host these events any major sporting event and and not really understand all the health procedures and guidelines they have to follow per regulation because uh no one really tested the water so ufc was definitely you know, my hat's off to the first guy to like really try to follow the, everything step by step to make sure they could give a good show. Yeah, and may, maybe this event will also give just like a blueprint to like other businesses on how to start getting their stuff going as well. Obviously, something's exactly happen. right. They're setting the standard, yeah. like they're willing yeah. to fall on the sword before anyone else. So, pretty, yeah. pretty nice, nice ballsy move. Yeah, and uh, why do you guys think that they started? Or they, they chose Jacksonville, Florida. I'm not really familiar with why they did that. G? I mean, this is just sort of what I kind of read off the, like, sort of the grapevine type situation. It seemed like Florida was a little more lax and willing to work with the UFC. Like, definitely you're not going to pull off in a place like California, New York, right? That's like liberal, super liberal heaven. So um, you're going to get a lot of resistance from both the community and the governor. So in Florida's situation, it's sort of like the government was willing to work with them. And they, well, of course, Jacksonville, it's not exactly the richest part of the country. It's well, welcome money. And I think they did it on Indian reservation or not. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't researched this shit at all. I mean, <laughs> I would I would just say common sense runs to the fact that maybe it's just a low density area. Yeah. Like you said, like maybe they're a little more relaxed about things and willing to work with them a little bit more. So, you know, it was definitely a calculated risk for sure on all parties, though. Yeah. Oh, totally. no, wait. They originally wanted to do it in a Indian reservation, but then they switched over to Jacksonville. My bad. So what happened to that island that uh, Dana White is looking to purchase? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I I've been hearing the guys talk. Uh, it's still a secret. I'm not really sure why. Even uh, Joe Rogan and DC were talking about that during the fight. They were saying Dan White won't tell anyone where it is. Not really sure why, but uh, and it, they weren't really sure why either. Actually, like, come on, Dana, let us know where it's at. But uh, Dude, so even far, if nobody... he gets an island, how are you supposed to show that shit to the rest of the world? There's so much like infrastructure you need to establish. Yeah, that's probably what they're building right now. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, if he's putting in the money to build the crap, fuck. Well, yesterday night, you know, I mean, it was kind of interesting to watch because there were no fans. 
and everyone was wearing masks and some of the coaches were wearing the masks. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> Under their like nose, which is it's kind of funny, you know, it's, it's just. Yeah, no, it was silly as fuck that they're trying to follow these guidelines and they're like fucking touching their blood and getting the sweat all over yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, it, that's, that's really what I want to talk about. It's kind of like, yeah, there's this whole COVID thing going on and it's like, you're not supposed to touch anyone. And they went into the weigh-ins with their masks on and everything. And then, I mean, I get it, but I, I think it's, kind of like funny, you know, to see them one day or the day before the fights, they had fully masked, they were con concerned. And in the day of the fight, you know, they're just like punching each other, hugging each other, kicking the shit out of each other. <laughs> Bleeding everywhere. Well, you know, like we said, you know, this this was this was something new that uh, they were trying. So, you know, it, it, I guess, you know, now they get to see what, what kind of things are going to work, what kind of things aren't going to work. And they could do a little better job on the next one and the next one after that. See yes, what matters, what doesn't matter. But what does that say to you about, you know, Dana White as far as well, like... As, well, as, I mean, trying, like I'm trying to find, I guess I'm trying to find uh, Dana White in the UFC at this point. But like leading up to the fight, any of the fighters who came out to the hotel and stuff, excluding Donald Cerrone, because he's like, like a boss who drove up in his RV, they had to like submit themselves to multiple medical testing to make sure they didn't have COVID like throughout the whole time they're there. Like, so instead of like getting tested for steroids, they're getting tested so they don't have COVID. So steroids was oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like they were isolated, their food was prepped and like it was dropped off on their, on their, like in front of their door and stuff. So like they've tried to minimize contact with everyone else. Like if you got your team, you got your team and that's where you're staying, like in your room. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah. It makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it will definitely make things a little bit Maybe they're going to learn from this and, and change things up in the future. Yeah, I'm sure each event they'll get a little smarter and things will go a little easier, a little smoother. And like I said, they're going to see what works and what doesn't. Like maybe next time, whoever's in the octagon, like even the cornerman, don't need a mask because they're, they're they're interacting with these guys the whole time anyway. Like, what difference does it make? Really? Yeah. <laughs> the rest didn't wear masks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What I'm guessing is maybe not everyone was tested as thoroughly and that's why they wanted some people with masks? Uh, no, they tested everybody who was involved and they pretty much said like, if you're not working in the UFC to make this event happen, like you're not here. It was pretty much just the people who were working and they all had to be tested. This kind of reminded me of like UFC, the tough house, right? Like at the finals oh, sure. or one of those, oh, yeah, uh, exactly. no, you know, it's like, it's just the team and, you know, then the film crew and Dana White in the corner and, you know, and there's no fans, you know? so. It was kind of interesting. But they're used to doing this shit. <laughs> yeah. Especially Tony yeah, Ferguson. I've, been, I've experienced shit like that too, fighting. Where? Like, uh, at the bar? In the world championships. Like, you know, this fight sometimes, like, if it's really packed three times a day. And, like, you know, sometimes if you're fighting early or, like, in between where people are, like, arresting, like, there's almost no one there. You're just fighting your ass off for nobody. But it never really made a big difference to me anyway. I'd never really noticed the crowd, so. It was whatever. Just, you know, it's just kind of weird because you could hear everything a little clearer, like what they were saying. Well, let me shoot, shoot this out to you guys because, like, especially you, like, you and Ro, like, both you and uh, Ro have, like, experienced fighting, like, on a bigger stage. And, like, the audience and the, like, the, like, the screaming and stuff, like, it kind of, and the lights, it kind of gets you and fucks with you when you're up there, I would assume. So you think, um, like, the fighters perform better because they're fighting in, a, like, a quiet, empty setting? What do you think, Will? Uh, you go first? I, I think it, it depends on the person. It depends on if they're good at performance or not. You know, some people are monsters in the gym, 
But when it comes down to perform, you know, it's performance anxiety. It's just like public speaking, in my opinion. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Like my personal experience, I'm, it's a hit or miss. Sometimes I'm on fire and then other times I just fucking choke. <laughs> For me in general, I, I've always been a very hot and cold fighter. Like I even tell this to people, and I'm sure people that spar me uh, all the time, you know this about me, can maybe even feel it. Like uh, some days I'm on, some days I'm off. I like, I just never know which one of me is going to show up. And that's kind of what it was like when I would fight. But as far as dealing with the crowd, like uh, that really had never anything had never had anything to do with the crowd. Like uh, whether it was empty or it was packed, like, I, I really didn't notice them that much. Sometimes I would hear people cheer for me, but uh, it didn't really make a difference. You know, it, like if I got in trouble, I felt the same way no matter what. Like I remember one time um, I went went to the ring and this guy threw a head kick, and I saw it just last second, and I blocked last second, but I wasn't really too braced for it, so I was still very uh, very woozy even though I blocked it. And then I, I remember thinking in my head, wow, am I going to get knocked out in front of all my friends? This is embarrassing. <laughs> but, you know, long story short, I didn't get knocked out. I ended up winning the fight. Thank goodness. But, you know, it's like, uh, you know, that thought ran through my head, but, you know, if my friends weren't there, I'd probably still be thinking something stupid like, oh, damn, I'm going to get knocked out. This is embarrassing. You know, I just wouldn't, wouldn't think about my friends. That's all. But uh, either way, it was going to, it would have sucked. But uh, turned out well. Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, and also <laughs> these guys are professionals, you know, you guys got to think about that, you know, even though they, there were no fans in the audience, you know, they knew that this was on ESPN and it's like on pay-per-view. So they knew millions of people were still going to be watching. So that I feel as if like, you know, they were being the shit out of each other because, you know, they've oh, been stuck yeah. in the house for but months. But you know what, Ferguson just trying to like go out in a, like in a fucking body bag. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about that but later. You know, long story short, when someone's trying to take your head off or choke you out, not, not a, lot, a lot of other things matter, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but there is a difference between fighting when no one's watching and being in front of like a, a 10,000 people or whatever, because, you know, you I know, mean, I, I don't know about I mean, you guys, but you know, when that hot girl walks into the gym, all of a sudden people are hitting the bags a little harder or, you know, showing their fancy jujitsu moves, you know, barum yolo yeah, you know. all over the place. <laughs> you swing your dick as, you know, as big as you can at that point. <laughs> you know, yeah. And you know, I guess that could work both ways. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, sometimes like uh, it's for it's for individuals too. Like you know, like you said, some people get uh, like stage fright, and some people don't. You know, yeah, and yeah. if you don't get stage fright, it may not matter that much. All right, I don't want to hawk on to stay on this topic yeah. for too long, but uh, yeah. you know, did you guys see that one ring car girl the whole night? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yo, she's hot. <laughs> what was her name? Something Palmer. Yeah, uh, Brittany Palmer, I so think. So she was the only one not, that, not that was, was cleared of COVID? Is that how she was able to be there? She was the only one that got cleared or she was the only one that's willing to participate? I think she was the only one that was willing, right? Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe, uh, you know, some were willing, some weren't, but some of the ones that were willing were uh, had exposure or risk of exposure or something like that. I just thought it was interesting. The whole event yeah. was pretty interesting to me. Anyway, so It reminded just... me of like seeing small jiu-jitsu tournaments and stuff where like there really aren't that many people and just the fighters. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Yeah. That's Minus the true. super hot girl. <laughs> yeah. Who's taken? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, usually. <laughs> anyway, so let's move on. Let's change topics now. So let's talk about the fights actually, you know, so any of the fights that really stood up to you guys? Oh shit. Nagano and uh, 
Rosen. Oh my God. That was, uh, dude, I, no, yeah, that was actually a good fight. I liked that one a lot. I thought Rosen struck, I don't really know how to say his name, but I think it's Rosen struck. I think oh, he has the right. tools to do well against Clinton Naganu, but, uh, Man, you, you just got to be worried for those worries. <laughs> My goodness. Dude, it was just like death and hate behind those fists at a certain point. I was like, fuck, I don't think it matters like, like how good you are at that point. I mean, that guy, well, I mean, like, I mean, you know, he, he got dropped by that left hook. And then, you know, he got followed up by another left hook. And then all of us, you know, and then he got grounded and pounded against the cage. You know, but that I power, think he was man. the whole time after he got touched. <laughs> I mean, that, that power. It's crazy. Yeah. It was a little late on the stoppage, right? Like, it wasn't just me going like, yo, that could have stopped at least five punches ago. I mean, you know, I'm sure he jumped in as fast as he could, but my God. Like, uh, it, he's got that, uh, he reminds me of kind of like uh, George Foreman, that kind of power. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like raw power. Dude, Greg, the other fight, mm-hmm. Greg Hardy, he kind of he kind of did the same thing with his, uh, like, power, but he didn't knock the guy out. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, uh, Hardy and uh, Nagano, there's a huge difference in power. Oh, yeah, there, no, no, so. there, I would agree. That's, there's a huge difference. I just like Hardy because he's like a former cowboy. You know, I, I kind of wish it went a little longer because I think Rosenstruck could have uh, given him a good run for his money. But, uh, shit. But that's what happens. When you, <laughs> yeah, when you got that kind of power. It lasted though. like 20 seconds. It's like, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't ready. <laughs> it was that blitz, man. It was just like... Someone said, ding, ding, gone. <laughs> I mean, so, Max, what do you think an, a fighter has to do to manage Naganu's power? Well, you know, I think uh, what um, Stipe did, number one, like threatening with some takedowns, was a huge key to his victory. Because when you threaten with takedowns, it makes it the person a lot easier to hit as well. It helps your strikes, too. If you can manage your distance, especially in the beginning when you know the guy is fresh, I think manage, either try to be too far or too close. But you don't really so you, want to be in that mid-range, mid-striking range too long. So you're At saying the Rosenstruck was kind of a bad matchup for him then because Rosenstruck is a kickboxer originally, right? Yeah, but you know, I, I, thought, I think he has uh, sh- quicker, crisper punches. and His striking is overall a bit tighter. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, if he was just a little more careful in the beginning and let it drag out a little longer and let Francis get a little tired, and maybe beginning, he should have threatened with a little bit of wrestling, and then just hit, move, hit, move, and let him get let him get a little tired first, and then you can start kickboxing with him a little bit. But to stay in that mid range in the beginning, I think that's where, uh, well, that's that's where everything went wrong. Talk Ooh. about wrestling. I want to actually go back a few fights, which is you know Mitchell versus Rosa. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh fight, yeah, wow. what a jujitsu dominating clinic, right? Dude, I mean, I saw those highlights and then I clicked around. I was like, holy I, shit. That's, the guy, I, I mean, Mitchell, like, almost had him several times in in uh, arm triangles, twisters, and he just completely dominated him with just controlling him on the ground. And I'm not 100% Yo. sure, but is, isn't Rosa a black belt in jiu-jitsu? Yeah, Let me be. look it up right now. Yeah, he's a black belt under Ricardo Laboria. That's quite impressive, but... What really impressed me about Mitchell yeah. is was his gas tank, man. He was just for 15 minutes. He was just nonstop, nonstop, that's true. man. It was just attack, attack, attack. And I don't know about you guys, but when somebody's like imposing their will on you like that nonstop for 15 oh. minutes, your like will that. is going to break. You know, it's like, <laughs> and that's really yo, what, I I gotta, like what happened. Rosa was defending the entire time. I got to give it to Rosa, though, because you know what? I know how Rosa felt. 
I've been there many times at the jujitsu gym. Man, these people, man, beating up on me and shit. And I'm just like, oh, man. Like sometimes when they're so tight on you, like. I know those blue belts, man. They come at you hard, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, even some of the blue belts, man, give me a hard time. Shit, I'm not that good. So, you know, whatever. But, dude, yeah, you got blue belts. Yo, there are some blue belts out there that are like (laughs) monsters, man. It's crazy. I'm not even gonna lie though. I've I've had many uh, training sessions where like it was, I was just like Rosa, just like one person going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next on me. But you know, it's like they're so good, and I, I'm so shitty. I was like, you know what? I didn't get submitted, so it's kind of so good. Win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't really a win, so I would have yeah. lost. But, Rosa you know. did a great job <laughs> defending. I mean, you know, hats off to him. It's just like he was just. Forced oh, to dude, if there was anyone time. who had any less experience, they would have walked, gone tapped out so quickly. Absolutely. Yo, he kept his composure. So what do you guys think about Pettis and the Cowboy? What do you guys think about Ooh, that fight? Good. It was a dude, unanimous was, decision. I mean, it was clear Pettis won, right? It's just, you can't put Cerrone away. He's just like you're hitting a fucking concrete yeah, wall but, with your but football, a unanimous but. decision. I, th- I thought that, you know, Cowboy at least won at least one round, which is the second round. Yeah. You know, but it was I, like a unanimous can, decision. You can still get a unanimous decision with, you know, without winning all the rounds. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, they were both getting their good shots in, but I think Pettis was just getting a little better shots in most of the time. That was cleaner, sharper. Because shit was yeah, landing. Getting the harder shots in. You just, just like, like one step ahead, just a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Great fight. Even when Cerrone got the takedowns, it was just kind of like, how long are you there? And even when you're there, like, how much did you hurt him, really? But yeah, there was, it was great to see uh, Cerrone back on his feet. Like as far as like you know, he he lost to from his last previous loss to McGregor. You know when he, when McGregor yeah. just pretty much smashed his face in with his shoulder. It's kind of wild. Honestly, like I would have liked to have seen that fight go longer. It just like you, it's hard to prepare for some crazy ass like fight like that where guys like I'm gonna smash your face with my shoulder. No one right, really right, does right, that. Right. Well, you know, it, it's also just a bad uh, matchup for Donald's because Donald's a slow starter and McGregor's a fast starter. And when you get oh, like, sure. yeah, so when you get two fighters like that, like like I, I'm I'm a slow starter too. Like I, I feel the most vulnerable in the first round. I shit. I mean, I, I even had times where. I would try to start fast in the first round and like everything I do is wrong. It's, it's ridiculous. Like I'm running into takedowns. I'm running into different shots. I just can't, for some reason, I can't really get my head together most of the time in the first round. And then after the first round, a lot of times then I can start to figure things out. You know, sometimes I win, sometimes I lose, but for the most part I would do better. And like, even when I spar, it's the same way, like using the first round or two, I'm not doing that great. And then I start kind of, Seeing things figured out. Maybe it's because I'm I'm a counterfighter. I don't know, but uh, that's I'm sure that's part of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, right there, there are guys who call it what what's the phrase? Punch drunk. Like you have to get punch drunk first for some fighters before they can actually get into it. Well, I, I try not to get hit, but yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Sehudo versus Cruz. Sehudo. You know yeah. that was a fantastic fight. I was actually quite impressed by Sehuda. How do you pronounce his name? I'm, no, I'm bastardizing it, it, this. It's Sehudo. 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 Triple C. We'll call him Triple C (laughs) because that's what (laughs) he's known for. You know, I actually have never watched Triple C fight before because I don't know, just just the way that he came off to on, um, you know, on his interviews and stuff. He's the kind of guy that like he has that face that you you just want to hate. <laughs> really? That, and I was, you got that crazy shit going on. You know, that, that shit makes you, you know, yeah, sometimes man. Makes you like, I, I'm oh, like, I was not a fan, but this was the first time I actually watched him fight. 
And mm-hmm. I was quite impressed by not only his mannerism, his, but his ability to just stay focused and control the entire fight. He just like brought it to Dominic Cruz and just dominated that. Dude, I knew fight. Dominic Cruz didn't get didn't have a chance against against Cejudo because I'm just it's like it's sort of like a situation where you know there are two different types of fighters. One guy has just been grinding and just been tough his whole life and never been burnt out. And I saw, I sort of been getting the feeling that Cruz has been kind of like easing into that like host life of just commentating on fights on like ESPN and shit. Yeah, but he was oh, very yeah. elusive at times, you know, using his footwork and his boxing. So it, it was quite yeah, impressive. I, I kind of felt like he was starting to creep into the fight, and then he got caught. But you know, he, like he was starting to get his timing with his boxing and everything. He was starting to do, uh, starting to do a lot better. You know, one thing. I vividly remember about the fight as like the few little wrestling exchanges they had were off the hook. Really? Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was that was impressive because like what they was like an Olympic world champion. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of wild. And, yeah, but even Cruz, like uh, like I remember Cejudo got his back once, and Cruz did this weird thing. Like uh, I think Cejudo had him around the waist, and then he he literally just from behind, and Cruz literally just like slipped, slipped down so. The hands were around his chest and spun around. I got to rewatch that again. Like it was, it was kind of a crazy scramble, though. Like that's one thing I was like super impressed with both of them. Just like, those little wrestling scrambles. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I wish I could wrestle. Like, yeah. yeah, until that accidental headbutt occurred, and then you know, and then <laughs> oh, yeah. Cejudo yeah, just that was turned it up a little bit, and you know, ca- caught Cruz, and you know, it was, it was, it was good night, Irene. Yeah. Yeah, it was an accidental headbutt, you know, and Cejudo pretty much just started raining punches at him. And uh, there was a time where it looked like Dominic Cruz was trying to stand up, but it was a little bit too late. And the referee pretty much just like called the fight from that point on. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it's I, I, it's sort of hard to like really hit on the ref, right? Because you had championship fights, but he was taking pretty heavy hits. He was, I mean, he was. You know, it was like 10, 11 shots. I, I could see both ways. I could see what Don, Dominic Cruz saying, but I also see it from the ref side too. And you know what? When, in my opinion, this is just my opinion. When it's such a 50, 50 moment like that, where maybe he's okay, but then again, he's taking like eleven shots to the head, and you know that can't be good for your health. If it's a close call, err on the on the side of caution. So you know what? I'm with the ref because you know what? At the end of the day, you're there to protect the guys. If he gets hurt seriously, that's on him. That's on the ref. So yeah. I don't. I really don't blame him for yeah, saving his ass. Maybe he would have got him. He would have been fine. I, I'm sure that that's a possibility. But it was such a fifty-fifty moment. I, I would say go the safer way, and yeah. that's what the ref did. Yeah. So. And what do you guys think about Cejudo? You know, retiring last night. I don't know, man. It's always weird when you have fighters who suddenly announce that they're going to retire after they just want to fight. Because like there have been a good number of times where a fighter comes back. He's a young guy. Thing too. Yeah. Yeah, it could be it could be his way of trying to force the uh, UFC to pay him more money to fight. Oh, true. Like how is it the right time for that? Is it the right for that? I don't know. Maybe I mean, he would know better than me. Like, but yeah, uh, yeah I mean, oh, wow. he got bad. he got paid only uh, three hundred ninety grand for this fight. And he's a champ. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not a lot of money. That's true. But, but but like I was saying, so like he's not a crowd pleaser, you know. Like he's a great fighter, but I, this is the first time I've actually watched him fight because he's just cringy to watch. <laughs> and he's he's a good guy. That's his problem. He, it's like who was the um, who was that guy that went to Brazil and say uh, Brazilians Brazil is nothing but a country full of animals? Who was that? Dude? Oh, uh, Chelsea. 
No, not Chael Sonnen. It was the he was an Amer- another American, younger fighter. Uh, oh, uh, Colby Covington. Colby Covington. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Like, well, he was told at one point that you're going to be cut from UFC because you're such a boring guy, and he was just having okay performances. So Henry Cejudo was like the guy who's kind of not great at trash talking or just not good at the bad boy image. But fortunately enough, he's just a great phenomenal, like a phenomenal fighter. He just destroys everybody. In front yeah, of him. he was. I was quite impressed by his performance. You know, as a fighter. But personality-wise, you know, I mean, that's why we know fighters. Shit. Yeah, well, we know that's why we know fighters that like you know they don't they don't have a tremendous record or long record, but you know they just understand how to hype up the fight. And I think that a lot of MMA fighters or professional fighters could learn from that. Just like you know, you're you're in the entertainment business; you're there to sell tickets. And then yeah, you know, but it's it's just not in everyone. Not everyone can sell things the same way, you know. Not everyone could be like McGregor. I'm sure, you know, Cejudo, if he could find a way to, you know, sell tickets like McGregor, he would do it. But it's just, it's just not his personality. Like, you know, he found a little weird niche where he's a little cringy. He kind of embraces it, which I think is kind of cool, though, that he embraces it. You can relate, right? You can relate? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm a bit cringy sometimes. Not as cringy as some other people we know, but (laughs) nonetheless. (laughs) I can't be, uh, I mean, you know. He tried to go with it. Maybe it didn't work as well as he hoped. And uh, this is a way of trying to get more money. And if not, if they don't give him more money, I mean, even though, he, yeah, there wasn't that much money, but he, he's still pretty uh, well off. And, you know, if he rises into the sunset, he's set for life. Yeah. <laughs> He'll all be right. all right. So let's talk about the last fight, which is Ferguson versus Gaijin. How do you pronounce his name? I am bastardizing these. Gaijin. I don't know. Gaijin. He fucked up Ferguson. Dude, yeah. yeah, he took him apart piece by piece. I, I was not ready to see that. <laughs> I mean, he dominated him. But hats off to Ferguson because Ferguson was take, eating those shots and taking them oh like another person would just drop. I mean, he was hitting him with everything but the kitchen sink, you know? I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was well, only I'm at the end like, that. oh, he finally starts wobbling after all that shit. That's like, it took all that just to get him there. <laughs> that can't be good for your health, though. It really oh, can't. fuck no. But, you know, I, I'm so impressed with Ju- Justin Ga- Gaethje. Like, you know, like, he was always a good fighter, but he was just kind of wild, a little sloppy. So I kind of didn't think he would – I thought he was going to maybe get have some success, but I thought eventually he would probably get wild and sloppy, and then Tony would t- take over somehow. But, uh, you know, he stayed disciplined. Even when he had him hurt, he didn't go crazy. He stayed composed. That composure, oh, yeah. like Rogan was saying that the whole time, right? During the fight, like, whoa, I'm impressed with how composed he is. He's patient. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, mean it, it, I mean, I guess that's why we, you, it's a lead up to the fights, right? So it's like, that's being a professional. It's like you learn from every fight. You make your mistakes in the amateurs and then at the professional fight, if being a professional. So those, those mistakes have already been corrected. Hopefully, but even as a professional, yeah, yeah. you know, like you have to be able to control your emotions, etc. And on the second round, his coach said, you know, hey, you're you're trying to kill him. You know, let's just try to, let's back it off like 10 percent, you know, and let's be let's and he's able position. to do that. That's, yeah, that's amazing. So I think well, you know, I, I think after all these fights that he's had, he's learned a lot. And that's what I'm saying. He matured as an athlete, as a fighter. He definitely did, but you know, I would say also what may, what's more interesting is that uh, I feel like that's a hard thing to do for guys that hit really hard because I, I feel like a lot of guys uh, that hit really hard, 
I'm not one of them. I don't hit that hard. I mean, I try to, but you know, I just don't hit that hard. Fuck. But uh, some guys just have that power, and they just rely on that power, and they they never really know how to take their skills to the next level because they always got that power there. So they just swing, 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 and just like hope something's gonna land. And usually that works for them. Yeah, but, but what, what impressed point- it, what me impressed me about Gagey is that he would throw these bombs, but he was not where he was like, you know, you throw a, a straight cross and then your, your body's still there. He was actually moving his head like a boxer. You know, he'd roll to the right. He'd throw a right hand. He'd roll to the left. You know, he'll throw a left yeah. hook and, and then he was out of the way. As for Ferguson, he would throw these punches and he would just like admire his work and then get countered. Yeah. yeah. With some fucking bombs. Yeah, bro. As a boxer and like in those situations, like in the past of like your actual fights and like people you coached, how does it like, does it like how to completely break you mentally when you see a guy who could just eat like the best shots you could throw at him? Yeah. And, and, and that, that's what I'm talking about maturing as a fighter, because you know what, if you are someone, okay, let's talk about jujitsu, right? Like you're dealing with a person that you're attacking them, attacking them, attacking them, and you're trying to submit them. And then you can't submit this guy. Doesn't that like break you down a little bit? Like, like it makes you question your jujitsu. I just I'm become sure more of an you. asshole and try to put my forehead into their neck. <laughs> We know, we didn't realize you were so ratchet, G. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so so the answer to your question is yes, it does mess with you because it's like when you're hitting somebody, like a normal person would break from that. But he had a game plan. He, had, he stuck with his game plan and it showed maturity as a fighter. It showed discipline that he knew that Ferguson was a tough guy. I mean, Eddie Bravo said that, you know, this guy would train for six hours and not drink any water. So you know what oh, type of person crazy. that is. That Look at the Diaz healthy. brothers. Look at the Diaz brothers. You know, they do triathlons. Look at their style of fighting. It's like nonstop, right? Like they're never going to yeah, get they, tired. They don't slow down. <laughs> so he was ready for that war. Yeah. So like whoever helped manage his camp like knew their shit. <laughs> yeah. And apparently he actually had an extra three weeks in camp than Ferguson. So. Oh, yeah. Because of the delay. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, so he was he was ready to go. And he, he was. that up. You know, it's timing, right? It's like, you know, when preparation meets timing, you know, it's just, you have a winning formula. I think, I think uh, what Tony could have probably done better, like I said, you know, it's easy, you know, to say this shit from now. Shit, yeah, I hindsight, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? That's, that's but, the thing. Yeah, absolutely. But I think what could have been done better is that if he tried to fake to throw something, wait for Kateja to, uh, sorry, Gacy to counter and then counter his counter. I think you would have found a little more success there. But like I said, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Easy for me to say. Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, Gage was like beating the crap out of his legs too. And it was interesting <laughs> to hear Eddie Bravo, you know, on the fourth or fifth round. And he was like, you know, you may want to go for an Iminari role. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, then the actual Iminari role came out. Yeah. Well, is, you know, um, he was, is Ferguson was, a, one of the fighters is a black belt under Eddie Bravo, right? Is I, it Ferguson? I, I would, I would. Assume it is Ferguson because you know, yeah. I mean Eddie Bravo was I mean, working with him. That to me that was that wasn't even like an instruction. That was we need a knockout. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you're right, bro. It is a uh, Ferguson is a black belt under Eddie Bravo. Wow, spray and pray, baby. <laughs> well, none of that tenth planet stuff worked last night because he was never in a position <laughs> to do any of it. So, but uh, um, sure. But yeah. So, what do you guys think about when uh, Gage? was going to shake uh, Ferguson's hand and Ferguson pretty much just oh, pushed him. him. 
That was kind of a dick move, but I, yeah. you know, I think he would just fall up in some motion. Oh, yeah, yeah of course. He just needed a cool down, man. He just got, he just lost his chance. Like he's been, what is this? This would have, this is the fourth time that he couldn't fight Khabib. Like that, at this point, like, like the universe did not want those two men to fight. Right? I was joking, like before this whole shit happened. I'm, I'm like, yo, I bet you a bottle of whiskey that, like, Khabib and Ferguson will not be able to fight again. And then the corona shit happened. And then they go, oh, the fight's back on. I'm like, yo, no, it's still not going to happen. I mean, I'm just keeping my bed alive. And look at this crap. Khabib couldn't make it into the States because of COVID. Well, before we move on to Khabib, I mean, Gagey pretty much told um, Ferguson, you know, after he got pushed, he's like, don't be an asshole. You know, it doesn't get, yeah. it doesn't get you anywhere. So, but what about Khabib and versus Gagey? That's going to be, wow, that's like two different styles, man. I mean... Gagey's got some firepower with his hands and, you know, and, and, and Khabib with his like wrestling and his dominant ground and Dude, pound. Wrestling for Dagestan is no fucking joke, man. It's just, they put those kids through like a, literally through the grinding stone, right? <laughs> Jeez. I mean, like he's freaking wrestling bears at three years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, oh, I, I think the, the biggest question is that, that uh, is something that we really haven't seen much of is, uh, Gaethje's wrestling. How good is Gaethje's wrestling? So I, we're definitely going to find that out if they fight. Yeah, totally. Uh, man, that's just a question that's so hard to overcome Like with a guy like Khabib, right? He can yeah. just impose his wrestling on you. He can take hits, and he can fucking throw them right back at you as well. So, you know, can, can, can Gaethje, Gaethje keep his distance enough to not get taken down? Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting question to answer. Do you think Ferguson and Gaethje is going to fight again as a rematch? Mm. Possibly, if, if Khabib is like still stuck over there for whatever reason, then yeah, why not? Yeah, that's true. That's that's a good scenario. That was a good, yeah, uh, that was a great fight. It. I'm really <laughs> glad that they that. got fight of the night. You know that extra 50k and I think, yeah, I think yeah. Gage they deserved got another, it. Gage got another 50k from that. So I mean, geez. yeah, no, fight of night goes to both. It goes yeah. to both. What was it's 50k, 50k for each one? Hey, hey G, do you know how, what was the <laughs> I guess lowest payout of the evening last night? Lowest pay? Yeah. Dude, it was like, um, dude, I remember seeing this. It was a really like low number, less than the fucking like minimum annual salary in the state. 22K. It was to Yar, the Rosenstruck. Oh, really? Damn. Yeah. Wow. His, that's his total. He got 18 guaranteed for the fight. And uh, through that Reebok promotional bullshit, he got 4K. Damn. Which, I, you know, I say bullshit for Reebok thing, but I'm like, I feel like that's actually probably a good system. <laughs> Man, to risk it all and, you know, to fight, being a professional fighter is already hard enough and then adding COVID to the mix <laughs> for to make 22 or whatever. Uh, I mean, like, like, we hope that his sponsors, like, gave him a lot of money on top so, of that. So let's, so, like, let, so let's talk about Ratchet Dana White and how much he made last night. What, what was it, like sixty nine ninety five per pay-per-view? So how much do you think he made and versus how much the fighters made? Dude, actually... Like you asked me about what this kind of thing before earlier in the day, and I kind of looked up everything. And like UFC was involved in past lawsuits because of how they disbursed the money. You think? And it seems like since <laughs> yeah, no, of course. <laughs> but I was curious about the actual figures. And since 2014, it seems like at most the uh, what the fighters get paid out from the whole thing would be 20 percent. And 20%. UFC walks away with 80. Yeah. Whoa. And that's 20 percent split amongst all the fighters. Damn. In the meantime, you know, like a Canelo could be given a, a contract for, what is it, $100 million for three years? Dude, Canelo's last fight? Five Holy fights crap. or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of crazy, the disparity and, you know, 
I mean, I love boxing. Don't get me wrong, but it's like MMA is hard. Dude, Canelo's contract with DAZN is three hundred sixty-five million dollars. I, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Yeah. Jeez. So, like, you know, and that's why you got to give it to guys like Connor because, like, they're the ones he, that he he played it so beautifully. He played it so beautifully, getting getting money to himself like that. <laughs> oh yeah, and he brought up the possibilities for other fighters of where they can go to with making money. And now, before it wasn't a reality, now it is, now it's a reality. Now it's something they can reach towards. I mean, and, you know, I think guys like Will Not everyone can pull off that style, though. Like that, like, yeah, cockiness. But the point is, the potential is there to make that money now. Like, whereas it wasn't there before. Uh, Connor was like the first one to make that kind of, that, that amount of money. And now it's a possibility for other guys, too, if they can see that now. Like, you know, and guys like Rosenstruck, I feel like, uh, yeah, he's not making a lot of money, but uh, he's fighting for the potential of a lot of money. Because, you know, shit, if you're the heavyweight champ of UFC, you're making some good money, whether you're that marketable or not. All right, you guys. Sure. So I mean, to UFC, what's coming up on the, the agenda with UFC is like, you know, I think they have the heavyweights that's going to be going on this Saturday with Alistair Overeem. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that fight. You know, I, I'm actually as weird as it feels that it's happening, you know, during this COVID-19 thing. And it's just it's entertainment. Right. And it's just like I feel like we all need a little bit of a distraction right now. And, um, you know, UFC is an entertainment company. So, I mean, it's kind of good, I guess. You know, you guys have any fights you're looking forward to? Yeah, absolutely. That that sounds uh, awesome. Do you hear the other guy's story as well? Like his, uh, the, the guy that Overeem is fighting, I'm, I'm trying to find his name now. It's Walt his, Harris. His, his daughter, his uh, stepdaughter got kidnapped and killed. Or What the fuck? Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. guy? Oh, shit. Damn. I'm surprised he's still fighting. Damn. Yeah, you know, so he, he's been through the ringer, man. I, I kind of, I feel for him, man. So, like, I like Overeem, too. So, I, I won't be mad at whoever wins, really. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you you got to watch, kind of want that him win, you know, that, that guy to win. Because, man, he's been through it, man. And, you know, it'd be good to have Dude, Wasn't that just last year that happened? How the fuck is yeah, that? Very, very Dude, I'm impressed. Man, that's pretty that's, sad. But then that's you, a scary motherfucker, then. You also feel for Overeem, too, because, you know, he's at, been, been in the game so long, and that's the one title he uh, yet to get. So, shit. Dude, he's been, he, what, he, he took too many hits throughout his career. Now he has, like, a glass chin. I mean, to be fair, he's always had a bit of a glass jaw. But, uh, you know, shit. If he if he fights smart, he could do well. And uh, you know, he has been for the most part. Like when he fought Rosenstruck, pretty much won the whole fight, and then got caught at the last second. But shit, I mean, those are heavyweights, man. That could happen with anyone. Yeah, man. That's true. Like there's just so much mass behind yeah, those man. punches. Four ounce gloves, man. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. you guys. So, uh, any last words, you guys, concerning UFC 249 and what's going on? I see they got Anthony Smith versus. Robert Tachira, Ben Rothwell versus Ovid Seipu. Yeah, OSP. I definitely excited to see him. All right. Well, you know, I'm not trying to make this an exclusive UFC uh, podcast, you know, so if there's a Bellator event that you guys are excited about, please feel free to hit us up with a, a message and, you know, we'll, we'll cover it. So for those of you listening, this is our first MMA segment and we don't know if we're going to keep this or not, but you know what? Hey, we're just rolling the dice here because honestly... In these uncertain times, why the fuck not? (laughs) Anyways, you guys, so please, uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, 
Check us out on Ratchet Dojo on Instagram. Also, we have our, our website, Ratchet Dojo, where you can find our merchandise. Well, you, it's actually just one merch right now, which is a Ratchet Dojo t-shirt. We're taking uh, pre-sales right now, and we will be shipping them June 1st because, frankly speaking, someone has to pay for all of this equipment. <laughs> hey, what happened to the rash cards? No, the rash cards, I still have some, but we're not looking to re revamp things. You know, I mean, obviously things change. So, you know, I, I'm, this is my first time doing a black shirt. So possibly doing a black rash guard in the future, but uh, stay tuned. You know, that's why I go on Ratchet Dojo Instagram for more updates. Yeah. Oh, wait, can I say one thing? Yeah. No. Did we talk about Ronaldo Sousa catching COVID? <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> And not just him, his entire camp, I think, or his two of his coaches. <laughs> but anyways, with that said, you guys, make sure that you do not train with a person right now that has <laughs> not taken the test. And uh, make sure you wear your mask, stay at home, and, you know, do what you got to do during these times. And um, until next time, peace.